Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, Australia's third favourite son. Unfortunately, dropped down to fifth favourite Silver Fox. A few people have um, actually leapfrogged you now, uh, Mark Schwarzer. In, in particular, uh, rumour has it Eddie Maguire has leapfrogged you in, in favourite uh, Silver Foxes. And why? Is that so? I think you know. Come on. No. He's just, he's got, he's embraced the salt and pepper a little bit more. Slowly and slowly. Don't, I just You're not having that, are you? Not having it. Not having it. How have you been? You, you and I are going to fall out very shortly. <laughs> How's your week you. been, mate? Been great up until this point. It's, I can tell. Bloody hell. What wine are we drinking today? Today we're going to drink a glass or two or probably three of Lewin Estate. It's a siblings. Uh, 2013 Margaret River Shiraz. Margaret River? Margaret River. Hello. Have you ever, ever been to the Margaret River? Um, no, I haven't. How about you? No, I haven't been to the Margaret River. Fair bit of, around that South Australian region, but not the not WA. Yeah. It'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? I hear only good things about it. And uh, supposed to be getting like, on, a, on a, one of those, um, on those one of those, uh, what, do you, what, it's like, what do you, what do they call it? A boat? caravan kind of boat you know hotel boat, boat caravan boat house what do you mean yeah, no, boat house uh, yeah boat a house. boat house that's it a boat caravan yeah, yeah whatever they call it yeah those things um <laughs> up the margaret river or down the margaret river which way whichever way you're looking at it yeah and uh go from vineyard to vineyard and apparently it's amazing now that which i'd love to do it one day how good would that be any offers out there i'm there all right please so a reminder here in the two sharp reds if it's the first time you've been tuning in uh, we aim to try this beautiful Margaret Valley wine, and then at the end we'll try and compare it uh, to a, a player, past or present, depending on flavours, uh, emotions it might bring up, Mark, sometimes smell as well. Let me just remind you, it was a Margaret River rather than Margaret, Margaret Valley. Valley. Did I say Margaret Valley? Yeah, you did. But Margaret River, anyway. We, we, we know no, where you're coming Margaret. from. Jeez. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's very nice. I'm, I'm uh, enjoying this, even though it's a Shiraz, even though it's your favourite. It's yep. right up your... Your rally. Um, but, you know, slowly I'm starting to adapt and to admire the Shiraz as well. Right in my wheelhouse, as they say. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Mate, let's get stuck into the football. And there's an unbelievable stat that's going around at the moment that nine players in Europe's top five leagues, aged 22 or younger, have scored 10 plus league goals. And Everton have two of them. That's unbelievable. That's impressive. It really is. Um, and I think it's. You know, it's just it's a sign of the times there. You know that people are no longer afraid to give youth an opportunity sooner rather than later. We see it more and more now. There are there are teams that are happy to put throw the youth in, and not just one player, but two and three at a time. Frank Lampard obviously did it at Chelsea right from the off of the season, and that's kind of a little bit unknown for a club of Chelsea side at kind of level. Um, 
but you know Yavatens and the rest I think you know they're at a point now where they've got some very talented young players coming through and it's great to see them given opportunities and great to see them doing so well so what's changed though do you think because you, you're right it feels like a different time it feels like times are changing almost and you just go you know are we witnessing right now even down you know you've got your you know Kylian Mbappe to Jaden Sancho but then down to you know Arsenal Saka on the weekend it was exceptional you know across all these leagues you just feel like really is the times they are changing yeah they are and I think what has it got to do with well um players are obviously just better now younger players are coming through and there's better developed players coming through maybe it's just a phase we're going through a certain crop of players that are coming through at one time um that are that are that are all young and hungry and 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 playing and performing really really well um I think also for a lot of managers it's it's in one sense it's a bit easier once you've decided or once you've got the go-ahead from the above, from the board, the club understand that you want to promote youth, it's kind of a free hit to a degree. There's a little, there's a little bit less pressure on the manager in terms of playing their youth players because if it doesn't quite work out with them, you can always use that excuse that they're youth and they need time, they're going to adjust and everything. And then there's an element of truth in that one. If you've got more established players and you're playing them right from the off all the time and they're not delivering it's a little bit more, it's easier than to point your fingers and say, well, actually either the manager's not doing a great job or the players shouldn't be playing because they're not at that level anymore. So I, I find that it gives the manager a little bit more time to, to establish a system, a form, uh, a run of games and uh, to, to hopefully help the team perform at its maximum and the youth players give that manager that time. So I touched on one player in particular, Saka, who was exceptional again in the, the Arsenal-Everton game. He's playing out of position at the moment, uh, so he wants to be a, a winger, playing at left wing back at the moment, came on for Kolasinac, who, who went down injured. Now, is this a positive or a negative thing, do you think, on his future? That he's an 18-year-old playing for a big side in the Premier League, but out of position. Is this going to be a positive or a negative? A positive, 100%. Just because, you know, if you've put your... You know, on your stat sheet, you are classed as a say a, a right winger, and you're not playing it right back. What does it matter? I mean, look, look, you you've got one of the best left-sided players in the world at this moment in time, Alfonso Davies, playing for for Bayern Munich. He's a left winger. Where's he been playing for Bayern Munich? He's been playing at left back, but he actually plays both because he's so athletic, so quick, incredible engine, and uh, technically a very good player. He's up and down that touchline. He's such an important player. He's, he's played, I think, is at 20 games in a row now for Bayern Munich, the only outfield player to have played that many games in a row. He is flying. He's 21 years old, I think he is. Um, it's all about experience, getting games, playing, adapting, not necessarily being the most ideal role for you, but just being happy to be in that team to make a difference. And, you know, he is a phenomenal talent. So what would he prefer, do you think? It's hard to obviously get inside his head. We don't know. But what would be better? He's got 18 months left on his current deal. If he, let's say hypothetically, if, if Edu and Arsenal go towards him and say, look, we'll offer you a five-year deal, but at this stage, we're still going to be playing you as a wing-back just because we feel like our front three are pretty defined. Or you leave, probably not go to a better side than Arsenal at this stage, just given you're 18 but you will probably play in your preferred role. What would be better, do you think, for him? It depends on where he is. Like, listen, what would be better for him? That all depends on the conversations they're having, how upfront the club are, how upfront Mikel Ateta is. I mean, clearly, 
he seems to have him in his plans because he's playing him. He's bringing him on. He's putting him in positions, whether he's playing, you know, as a as a wing back or whether he's playing as as a winger. It's irrelevant. He's playing and he's he's developing. He's getting that game time. And if he's not going to be used as often in his preferred position, there's still that chance he will. Who's who's to say that first game or even before that, before this first game of next season, one of the front three get injured and are out for any length of time? It's a perfect opportunity for him to play. I I would think that the amount of games he's played so far this season, there's enough incentive for him to stay at Arsenal. But again, you never know. It all has to make sense financially. These These guys... Often, you know, they're advisors, there's other external people giving influences, and they're not necessarily looking at the bigger picture and what's best for their own development. They look at, where can I get the best deal right now because I should be earning X, Y, and Z, rather than go, actually, what's the best move for me? Is it, is, is it better to have a move, or is for my development as a player, am I seen as a, in the manager's plans? Am I going to get given the opportunities that I have had so far? There's no reason to say that he won't because he has been playing regularly. So therefore, he's got to make the right decision based on his future. Yes, money comes into it, but money will come. If you play and you play well, money will come. That, that's, that's a given. So for me, what he has to do, he has to pick the right career path now. This is a massive, massive decision for him. Look, Jane Sancho left, left Manchester City. And, it, and it's kind of... I mean, Sacco's in a different position because Sacco's played already a lot, of, a lot of games already for Arsenal. Whereas Jadon Sancho hadn't played for for the the first team at Manchester City, he'd been promised that he would be involved in the squad. We we saw it with Phil Foden at uh, we've seen it with Phil Foden at Manchester City. Pep Guardiola, you know, going on about how wonderful a player he is, is the best young player he's ever worked with, and blah blah blah, but doesn't play him. Hardly plays him. Signs his new deal, doesn't play him. So. Does Asako see that? Does he look at that and go, well, do I want that to happen to me? But like I said, he's in a slightly different situation because he's played a lot of games already. So he may have a better option. But see, Jane Sancho then decided, not going to do it. Left, went to Dortmund, and look what's happened. Mm. He's playing every week in the position he wants to play, his preferred position, his best position, and he's absolutely flying. So let's talk about a little bit north of England. Let's go up to Scotland because there's one young lad that really has some decisions uh, to make, uh, and that's Socceroo Daniel Arzani. He's almost been a little bit forgotten about. You know, we, we haven't heard from him in a while. Obviously had a, a pretty terrible ACL injury when he started with Celtic, so of course that plays a role, but he certainly has been forgotten about. Yeah, it took him a while to even get that opportunity to start uh, in a Celtic side. And when he, when he signed for them, I said straight away, I think it's the wrong move for him. I don't think Celtic's style of play suit him. I don't think it's, it's the right environment for him to go to, into to develop as a player. And, and what do I mean by that? He needs game time. He needs to play in a first team. He needs to play in a, in a team that plays a style of football that suits him best. He's a very gifted technical player, a player that loves to get the ball at his feet and run out of position, but is a ball-playing player. He needs other intelligent players around him. So I would have thought his best move would have been a place either like Germany, uh, in Holland, they play a more technical-based game of football. And they also give a lot of young players opportunities. So I, I always said, I just think the Celtic move is the wrong move for him. Could he make it into an Ajax side at the moment that's so heavily based on youth but exceptional youth? Well, Ajax are, are continuously evolving. I and mean, they're a club that... I mean, listen, they're, they're obviously the best club in Holland by, by quite a long way. Um, would he make it in the team right now? Probably not, no. But if they thought he was good enough and, and liked what they saw, 
he would be in and around the fringes. He'd be in and around that environment. And they play, you know, technically it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic environment to be in, to learn, to learn the game, to understand the tactical side of the game, to develop as a player. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the one league also that has really shown over the last couple of years now to develop young players is the Bundesliga. Mm. And I think he would be perfect so, coming to Bundesliga. I mean, it, it must have changed somewhat since since you've been in the, the Bundesliga or in, sorry, in Germany. But what's the attraction, do you think? You know, what, as a young player, what is the attraction of, of heading to Germany as a league and as a place in general? Well, the league's very competitive. It's a, it's a very good level of the league. It's not the, it's not the top league, but it's up there with, with, with some of the best, the best leagues in, in Europe. It's in the top five easily. Um, they give youth a go. They give youth an opportunity. They're, they're tactical. They're disciplined. They work hard. They're all attributes that I think can help develop a young player and actually are vital for a lot of young players to, to be involved in. Um, I, uh, you know, watching, watching the Bundesliga more and more each week, they are becoming not just that machine-like and running relentlessly. There are those elements of being technically more advanced now. They are trying to develop into a different system. Um, and, you know, the greatest examples are, for example, now in, in, in Dortmund, uh, even Bayern Munich to a degree, with, like I mentioned before, Afonso Davies, phenomenal young player, Serge Gnabry, who couldn't even get a game on loan at West Bromwich Albion. Amazing. It's all about finding the right environment, the right club that suits you as an individual. I always did that in my career. I always picked a team based on what was best for my career, not not because it was the big, biggest name, not because it was the, the, the best city to live in. It was all based on my, my opportunities on the football pitch, who the manager was. Did the manager believe in me? Was I going to learn? Who was my goalkeeping coach when I was moving to that club? Was I going to develop as a player? And those things are all key. I never, I never ever was influenced by anyone else other than me and my wife would chat about it. We'd, I'd tell her my, my concerns. I'd, I would speak to my advisor about it, but they wouldn't make a decision for me. They would just give their opinion and I would make every decision myself together with my wife and we'd say, what's the best move? Where, and she'd ask me the questions. Where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself? Is this going to help your career? You know you want to get to this place. Why, why, you, why would you think this is a good place for you to move to? All those things need to come into, into place. The financial side of it, I always felt that, yes, of course you wanted to be paid what you thought you were worth but I was also, I found myself, I, I think I was always pretty honest with where I saw myself. So I'd look myself in the mirror and, and I would be going, right, where am I at this stage of my career? What value would I add to a team? So therefore, where do I rank in that group of players? You know, how valuable am I? So what, what, is, my, what is my worth? And, and that's without even knowing what other players were earning. It was kind of like you, you, get a, you, you get a gauge of where you think you are. I think for Daniel Lozani, I, I just think, I think he was ill-advised. I, I, I think it's a, it was a, the wrong move. Listen, Celtic are an amazing club. Don't get me wrong. Phenomenal club. But for me, it doesn't suit him. It doesn't suit his style of play. It, doesn't, it, didn't, it wasn't going to give him the opportunity to develop as a player. He needed to go to somewhere where he was going to play more regularly. He was going to be involved. Yes, he's been uninjured. So forget that. But the beginning part, I think he struggled. He got injured in his very first game when he, when he, when he started. But before that, it took him ages to get in there because apparently he wasn't up to speed. And I, I kind of get that coming from Australia, not playing 90 minutes of football for very often. He did need bringing up to speed and it was going to take him a bit of time. But I'll go back to it. 
Celtic don't play the football are not the type of team that would suit Daniel Lozani, in my opinion. Does it still suit Tom Rogic? So he's made his first appearance for Celtic since December now. At the age of, what is he? I think he's 26 now? 27, I think he 26, is, 26, yeah. 27. So he's getting to a point where you know, he's, there's going to be some certain question marks around him come summer. Yeah, no, definitely. Listen, I, I think Tommy Rogic has uh, done really well at Celtic and, and it has suited him. Um, the, the criticism that we all have towards Tommy Rogic is that for the national team, he doesn't seem to be able to deliver 90 minutes of consistency like he can for Celtic. And some players, for whatever reason, aren't able to transfer that club form into international form. We've seen glimpses, and when we've seen him perform for, say, 45 minutes in a game for the national team, you just go, wow, what a player. Because there's no doubting Tommy Rogers' ability. There's no doubting that one bit. He's got, you know, he's ample of it. But it's wanting to see it more regularly and see it at a certain consistent level for the national team as well. Again, he's another player that's just coming back from injury, so he needs to find his feet again. And once he starts to get that fitness back up again and play regular football, hopefully he can get into some good form and transfer that form not only from Celtic, but then also to the Socceroos. But Celtic is, a, is as he quite rightly mentioned, it's a big club that does play some, you know, they go into Europe for, for goodness sake. Like, you know, he's at a pretty high level. So I can't imagine if he went anywhere else as to why then that would then start to positively change his performances for the Socceroos. Shouldn't he already be at the peak in terms of both club and international? You know what? Like, this is the thing I, I think. I look at Celtic and go, listen, Celtic have dominated the league for so long now. And yes, they have some tough games. There's not no argument about that. I just don't think he's tested enough in in other a- aspects of the game. So from a from a tactical point of view, from a technical point of view, I don't think he's tested enough because of the opposition they play against every week. If if he goes to a to a more competitive league, so whether it's listen, I think he would also do very very well in the Bundesliga. Again, mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect league for someone like Tommy Rodic. I think he would be tested more regularly, day in, day out. He wouldn't be at a Bayern Munich that would be winning the league or, or Dortmund or, or RB Leipzig necessarily that are going to be winning the league uh, or at the top and expecting to win every game. He'll be in a mid-table team. So you are coming up against far better opposition. The, the, one, the, the time when Tommy Rodgers gets tested the most, as with all the other Celtic players, is when they play in Europe. And that is then a do-or-die Situation because you've literally got limited amount of games to perform and get up to speed with the other levels of competition that they have. That's what's tough. So it's like anything. If you go to another step up, a league step up, I'm not saying that the teams he's going to go to are going to be better teams than Celtic. It's just going to be in a, in a league that is more competitive. What about in the Premier League? Could we see him there? And if so, are we assuming mid to bottom table or... or Firmly in that would middle I, section? Or? Would I see Tommy... Uh, listen, I think he's more than capable of playing in the Premier League. Would Would Premier League clubs be looking at him now and saying he's a player that's on our radar and want to sign him? I don't think so because he's been injured, hasn't played regularly for a while now. I think that's probably the, the concern. He needs to get some consistency under his belt. Um, has he Is he able to deliver 90 minutes of football regularly and, and at, a, at, a, at a high level? I think that's still the question mark. Um, at that very high level. So to, to get to that next step up, to go up to the Premier League, which is a big big step up from playing week in, week out in the, in the Scottish Premier League, that, that, that's, that's a big step. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Uh, Mark, how's your Shiraz going down? Because I tell you what, it's absolutely beautiful weather for a Shiraz right now. 
It's it is, you cold, know what? It'd rainy. Be, yeah, but it'd be nicer if it had a fire on, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, imagine that. Jeez, it could get romantic then, couldn't it? Mark, I just something reminded me before when we came over. We so for anyone who doesn't know, we do this podcast at your house, and at the moment, I'm currently looking at a big pile of of old footy memorabilia that you've got from not from kind of your professional days it looks like there's sort of what well, early doors early, really early early doors in my professional life and also down to i think the 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 oldest one there i think i was on under 11s Amazing. so nepean association tracksuit top and then there's a couple of blacktown association ones after that and then the rest is yeah all the way through up to from a marconi days uh youth national team and then the early, early days of the, the Socceroos. And then I've, I've been lucky enough now to, to... Oh, I don't want to give too much away, but I've been lucky enough to have a look at some of your memorabilia. And it, it's incredible. Looking through some of the stuff, that I've just got so many questions about... So what, what are the rules here? We know that, that players swap shirts. As a goalkeeper, are you... It's the unwritten rule, or is there a written rule that you swap with other goalkeepers? There is kind of, yeah, there is kind of a rule. No, no, is there there a rule? It's just a natural thing that you kind of do. Your opposition, the goalkeepers, tend to swap with other goalkeepers. The the thing is, you get to a point where the longer you're in the league, the the most likely is that you've already swapped with a guy up the other end from the same club on a couple of occasions already, or at least once. Then you kind of go, okay, well, you may know another player in the the other team because you've played with them somewhere along the lines. So then you'd want to swap with them. So that that's that's how also what happens quite a lot. It's generally like you've got a mate on the other team or you know them, you've played against them, or even someone that you just actually respect a lot and you would love to have their shirt. And and I always found it, it was always funny because it, it's a little bit of an awkward moment because you go up and you go, can, you know, can we swap shirts? And then sometimes it's like the odd occasion they've gone on, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I've already promised someone. So you feel a bit like, well, he either just doesn't want to swap with me oh, no. or he genuinely has promised it to someone else and then the other one is when someone comes up to you and, and say asks you for your shirt and there there's someone who's from a lower league team you play them in a cup game and stuff like that and i always found it really bad that if you didn't ask for their shirt even though i didn't necessarily sure. generally go right oh, i actually really would love that shirt it was I, I did it more out of respect and i went well he's asked me for my shirt which is a real honor and a nice you know really nice thing to do so I thought straight away, well, can I have your shirt? And, and nine times I tend to be going like, you, what, you want my shirt? And I go, yeah, yeah, can I have your shirt? So I've got all those shirts as well. Well, can I ask, let's say, let's say for argument's sake, this didn't happen, so don't check Wikipedia, but if Middlesbrough played Sully Hull Moores yep. in a cup game yep. and the goalkeeper was like, Mark, can I have your shirt? And you said, yeah, buddy. And then you got his. Yes. What would you do with it? Because I'm assuming it's not hung up. No, it's, probably. it'll be. Uh, no, normally they are hung up. Yeah, they would be. Really? Yeah, the lesser. It doesn't matter. I've got shirts there from different uh, lesser countries, like lesser countries, like not not no. as high profile footballing countries. I mean, you saw one there. I've got India. Yeah. When we played them at the uh, the Confederation, sorry, at the uh, Asian Cup in 2011, that was their first ever Asian Cup. We had them in our group game. The goalkeeper wanted to swap with me, and I was straight away, can I have yours? And, and I've just always done that. Thailand, all, the, all of the, the lesser nations yeah. in the football world that you kind of, I just thought it was a real, it was more of a respect thing to, to do. Um, and I also was honoured that they wanted to swap my shirt. So my favourite one that I saw in there is you've got Buffon's. Yep. What would he be doing with a Sally Holmore's shirt, do you think? Gosh, I don't know. You know, I, I, know I know some, I've seen it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The bigger name players. I've seen when a player's gone, can I swap you know, swap a shirt. So the person, the player goes and takes his shirt off. And as he's take, taking his shirt off, just as he's taking it off, he sees the player that's asked for the shirt taking his shirt off. And you'll go, no, 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 it's fine. And I just find that really bad. I find that really inconsiderate and embarrassing. You just got to take it. If he doesn't want it, still take it. Yeah. And then give it to the kit man or give it to someone else. And, and uh, I've seen that happen as well. I've seen players do it. They've swapped. And they go, well, I had to really, didn't I? Like, it's like not right not to. And then giving it to the kit man. And the kit man will keep it or he'll give it to someone else that he knows will appreciate it. And then what are the rules behind, I'm sure it would be different now in 2020, especially in the Premier League, a bit more money around it. But are you allocated a certain amount of shirts? So do you get one every game that you can just flog off at the end and it doesn't matter who it that goes all de- to? That all depends on the club. Right. So at, uh, at Middlesbrough, Fulham, um, Bradford, uh, Leicester, you got an, a certain number of shirts for free. So it may have been, I can't remember exactly, but it varied between, I think, about six to ten shirts a season. For the whole year? For the whole season. So you could, you could keep and, and hand out. There'd be the odd extra one along the way, maybe, depending on what the circumstances were. But generally, that, w- that would be it. Anything above that, you had to pay for the shirt. And then at Chelsea, we got every game, you got to keep both your shirts. Really? So every game you had two shirts because obviously in case uh, you have a blood you know, you have a blood injury or a head injury or whatever, you're bleeding, you have to change your shirt. So you need two shirts. So every game you've got two shirts to keep. So in the end, I was like, I, I've, got, I've got boxes full of my, my Chelsea shirts. I was, there for, I was there for 18 months. You know, and, and if you think about it, yeah. 38 league games. Times by two. Times by two. Plus add all the Champions League games that are on it as well. Then you've got cup games and everything else. You know... I mean, what is that? 76 shirts just from league games. Mm. Then you've got probably another 20-odd shirts because of the various other competitions you're playing in. So you're talking over 100 shirts. And so what's the process, though, if you have to go and buy a shirt? Is it like a... Is it cost price? Or is it, you know, like you would... Uh, you normally got a, Sport Yeah, or? you normally got a bit of a discount from the fan shop. Yeah, so you get it at... Um, from uh, the fan shop? Yeah, from the club shop. The club shop, yeah. So that's where they get it from. All the shirts were there. They were, they were the same shirts. The only difference would have been the, the badges they put on. So they'd oh. go and get the shirt from the club shop and then the kit man would have put the proper no. badges on it. Yeah, so that, that's how it all operates. I have got this great vision in my head of you at the Middlesbrough fan shop bought, buying a shirt, then lying up, lining up to then pay an extra fiver to get your name printed on the back. No, they would do that. They would do that included or, or the kit man would go and do it for me. So, yeah, I, no, I spent many times in, 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 in the club shops buying stuff buying Christmas presents and, you know, people, your family members you know that were, were following you and fans and you bought, so I bought, I've, got, I've still got bowls and, and uh, like, you know, like uh, breakfast bowls that my kids had as kids. We've still got them there, middle ones. I've got mugs and stuff like that where people have given and it to And that doesn't just pop up in your locker. You actually go, and go to no, the No, I go to the fan, fan shop and you buy them. Yeah, I bought them for my kids because... My son's a Middlesbrough fan. So my, my, son, my daughter and my son were born in, in, in Harrogate when I was playing for, for Middlesbrough. My son, at his first game, he was like eight weeks old. 
as with my daughter. So my daughter's not so much into it. She likes her football, but she doesn't really support her team. Whereas my son is a full-on Middlesbrough fan. His favourite player of all time is Stuart Downing, not his dad. Mate, let's talk about uh, Master versus The Apprentice. Jose Mourinho versus Frank Lampard. It was the, a great game on the weekend. Tottenham taking on Chelsea. Um, it's I love some of these this the footage that comes out of you know when when Tottenham uh, played Aston Villa and you saw Jose and um, and John Terry hugging you know before yep. the game similar sort of scenes it, it must be a very odd feeling for these guys that that have been you know with Mourinho at his most successful periods and now. I mean, well, as we saw, Chelsea beating Tottenham. You know, it's incredible. Well, he's not lost against Spurs yet either, has he, yeah. uh, Frank, as a manager? So he's beaten... He's, he, uh, actually, sorry, every time he's come up against Jose, he's not lost. There you go. So he's, he's done really, really well. Um, listen, it's, it's, it must be a very weird situation to be in. I, I, don't think, I don't think the relationship with Frank and Jose is as close as JT's with, with Jose. And, that, and I think that also comes back to when he then left uh, Chelsea and went to, went to New York Red Bulls, but then around the back door went to, to um, sorry, New York City uh, yeah. and then went to, uh, to Manchester City. And you know what? As a player, I can understand it because he knew he was on the outer at Chelsea. The club were happy for him to go. They, he wasn't going to play a lot of games. He was used as a bit part player. And then the opportunity arose, and I, and I think it, I think it, it, it wasn't from the on, the onset or the outset that he was going to go to Manchester City. I think that evolved into the transfer, like later on after he'd made the the move, and the opportunity then came for him to go to to Manchester City. And I, and listen, I can understand why he did it. Absolutely, Any, anybody would do it. It was just that I think Chelsea, I think got the. They, they didn't think it was even possible. And the fact that there was nothing in place to prevent it from happening, but they got caught out because they didn't think that would even happen. And then on top of it, we go to, we go to uh, Manchester and play Manchester City, winning 1-0, and who comes on and scores the equaliser? And that's just... And, and that, you know, that was just always going to happen, though, wasn't it? Always going to happen. So that made it even worse. And I know Jose was fuming about it, you know, and he was more angry, I think, at the club allowing it to happen and all sorts of stuff. And whether that was realistic for the club not to allow it to happen or, you know, to, to try and prevent anything like that happening, I don't know. But it happened and you don't, I don't blame Frank one bit. And I, and I understand why Jose would have been upset. I understand it. And well, so I why? think well, I don't... from a club's perspective that they let, let him go and then... There's a there's a way that he's come back and he's in he's and he's damaged Chelsea's opportunities to win the title when you know they should have he probably feels that they were in a position where they should have prevented it but they didn't have the foresight to to think that that would happen to put anything in place to make you know to prevent it. There's a bit of pot calling the kettle black though with Mourinho now because he's he's not a Chelsea man anymore. He can't be. I think that his relationship with Chelsea is by far a thousand times over ruined than what Frank Lampard's uh, was. When he was at City, for example, and then when he was at no, no, Chelsea fans love Frank. Yeah, there's like there's no problems with it. I think most Chelsea fans completely get it. I mean, Frank didn't celebrate when he scored against Chelsea. They completely get it. Listen, they they were upset that he went there, and they're upset that he that he scored the equaliser. But he's still Frank Lampard, and you can see they love him. Um, with Jose, you know, Jose at times can be his own worst enemy. And when you, when you are that animated, when you are that forward 
in 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 some of your some of your uh, comments about players, clubs, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff, fans, you know, the the support or lack of support that he feels he may be receiving, it's going to come back and bite you again. There are going to be times when things are not going so well and it opens the door for more criticism. That's just, I think that's just Jose. Jose loves to create create this this uh, this momentum, this headlines, and then, you know, by the same token, even if he's criticised, even if people are... Um, when he's at a stadium, I think he loves that. I think he thrives off the fact that people, he's created this animosity to himself. Well, going into the game, people were asking him, so obviously it's at Stanford Bridge, how do you feel about that? And he said, fine, it's just another game. They went, really though? It's just another stadium. It really doesn't affect me. I mean, I don't believe this sort of stuff whatsoever because if roles were reversed and I was in that situation, nah, I'd be going, yeah, I'm shitting myself here. This is this is going to be this is intimidating. You know him a little bit. Well, would he, is, would he be telling the truth there, or is that part of his persona that he comes across as going, yeah, no, it doesn't bother me. He wouldn't care about any of the criticism, criticism he may receive from the fans, the booing, anything else. He'll just put his fingers up and show how many titles he's won for the club. Then also he would have been desperate for a result to win. If he would have, were to have won, he would have celebrated. He would have, he would have been close to rubbing people's faces in it. And that's just the way, that's the way he is. He's, he's at either end of the spectrum all the time in terms of how he feels about stuff. So he'll be very cold, very blunt and go, well, it doesn't bother me. I don't care who we're playing against. It's just, for me, it's just another big game that we need to win. I need three points. But inside him, he would have been desperate to beat them. Mark, uh, I always like to end these episodes as, as often as we can with just a, just a bit of a nice note. It's actually been a nice episode, really. It's been quite light-hearted. Yes. Quite supportive, I find, um, at, yeah. the, at the moment. I think we've been complimenting each other, other quite well. And Go on, then. Where are you going with No, this? no, no. no, no I'm, being, I'm being serious. Um, we, we touched on the game earlier, but the Arsenal-Everton game, 112 days after Andre Gomez... I mean, I think we all assumed probably his career was over uh, against, uh, it was the, the Son tackle when they when Everton played Tottenham. 112 days after he's made his appearance you know, for the first time. Again. I think he's taking a bit of time, isn't it? 112 yeah, days. Yeah, lazy, right? Long. Yeah, I thought at least under 100 days is for sure. <laughs> no, it's Incredible. Pretty, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? When you when you think back at that picture um, of his ankle and the way it was turned, you know, in, in years gone by, that is a career-ending Injury. That, that that's it. That's a killer. It just goes to show you how far we've evolved in terms of of medical uh, procedures. The the ability to get people fit again. The, the the work rate he must have put in. He must have put in a hell of a lot of work to get to back. But to where the do we even start? You know, if this is a broken shoulder, a broken arm, I can sort of understand how you can, in the early stages of your rehab, maintain a level of cardio. Yep. But mate. He, he would have done a, the other direction. Yeah, but he would have done upper body work. So he would have been in the gym. He would have been doing uh, cardio work in the gym, but only upper body. So his arms would have been, would have been working very, very hard just to keep his keep his um, metabolism moving over. He's, he's you know he's, he's still giving a bit of oxygen. He's doing some exercise. Obviously, you're not going to have the same fitness. You're going to lose fitness in your legs. He may have been he may have even been pedaling with one leg on a bike, which is possible. Could have been. You know, you never know. Um, not long into it, he'll be able to swim. You know, so they're all different. He'll be walking in the pool. You know, all these clubs now, you, most clubs now, you have swimming pools, and they, they, which they can, they also have like a plunge pool, which 
they can create a resistance or it's a running a running machine in the water so these guys will be and there's like there's cameras everywhere and there's so you, the, the physios can watch and, and and analyze his technique you know the movement how he's planning his foot there's there's so much they do um it's hard it's really hard i mean of course it's hard like none of that stuff's easy you know if you want to come back i mean i broke my back and i was back in 10 weeks mm. from the day i broke it to the day i was back playing you know and that's bearing in mind the first two weeks i did zero i wasn't allowed to pick anything up i wasn't allowed to do anything because i broke i broke uh, my t9 in my back my vertebrae and i broke the top 10 percent. I, I i i damaged the top 10 percent of it which the way the bone is, it compromises the entire bone once you have a fracture in it. And is T9 lower back? It's or is that upper, up, upper back, right, yeah. Right. So kind of almost right in the middle of your shoulder blades to the top right. part of your shoulder blades. And it was because I, fl- I, I, I came up for a cross, had my feet taken from me, and I landed on my, my neck and my shoulders and my legs catapulted back over and it crushed the top part of my, my vertebrae. And uh, so two weeks I could do nothing. I couldn't, I had, when I walked, I had to be really careful. I couldn't go up and down stairs quickly. I had to hold on very gingerly, very slowly walk. It wasn't like, I wasn't, I felt it, but it wasn't, I wasn't in excruciating pain or anything like that. I played the last 20 minutes of the game, which I was incredibly lucky because had I fallen awkward, had I received another knock, I could have never been walking ever again. Because one, like I said, the bone, if it were to have had another knock, it would have shattered completely. And then you end up in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. But we didn't know at the time. So once you have the diagnosis and you realize where you are, there is a clear path put out. And that would have been exactly the same with Andre Gomez. They've, they've got the diagnosis. They've seen what happened. They've done the surgery. They know where he is. And then all of a sudden they go, right, this is the path. And he would have known clearly which path he was on. And they would have devised a program, how to get fit, how to keep his certain levels of fitness. Diet was a massive part of it as well. Everything. He would have, had, he would have been... I mean, I was training four times a day. Mm. So I was going for a swim in the morning. And I was coming back and I was doing a gym session. So I would, at the early stages, after week two, I would lay down on a, on a, on a bench. So my back was fully supported. And I could do shoulders, like I do arms and stuff like that. I couldn't do anything where I was lifting anything, uh, where I was bending my back or anything like that. I could lay on a flat on a flat surface and do it. So I do bench press, I do shoulder press and all that sort of stuff, um, chest press and stuff with dumbbells and, and and even with the bars. So that was all fine, um, and and he'll be the same. So he would have gone through a program of knowing. So I I did, I did the the swimming in the morning, did a gym program, then I would get onto a bit of handling, uh, and then in the afternoon I'd also go into the hyperbaric chamber for an hour, hour and twenty minutes at a time. So we're getting fed like 80 85 percent of oxygen to try and help the recovery and speed up the recovery and uh and then i'd also do either probably another handling session or something in the afternoon so there were like four to five sessions i'd do a day and i'd do that and and it was like i was on a mission i had a plan i knew where i was going i had one guy designated with me the whole time so a strength and conditioner guy that worked with me the whole time he comes swimming with me in the morning because swimming was so boring mm. i find it so boring and it's so hard to get motivated. So we'd have banter, we'd do, I mean, I would swim for like lengths after lengths after length. And at the beginning, you, you're so tired and afterwards it, you, you build up that anaerobic fitness from it and it's incredible. So Mark, it's got to that point in the episode where we get to compare our wine to a player. I don't know how you're feeling, but it's getting harder 
as it goes on to try and think of of fresh adjectives yes. and reasons to compare to, to compare a player. But this this one's from uh, the Margaret River, not the Margaret Valley. Yes, uh, beautiful Shiraz um, from is it two thousand and eighteen vintage? I think couple couple of years old. Uh, no, 2013. 2013, hello. Yes. Hello. Chelsea money's come through, has it? <laughs> look out. But, uh, it's, uh, look, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I say it's getting harder for me to compare it to a player. But having said that, this week it's actually been pretty simple because I've seen this man in, in the news uh, for, for, you know, not always good things, uh, but not always bad things, of course, as well. But I've seen him around at the moment and he's, he's right at the front of my mind. But... This wine for me was heavy. Yep. It, uh, that, that's the main feeling I get as soon as you can smell it, look at it, uh, taste it. It's a heavy wine. Uh, it's also very unpredictable. It's doing all sorts for me, which is very rare sometimes for Shiraz. You know, you get yep. that with a bit more of a fruity or a spicy wine, but this one in particular, maybe because it's 2013, it's a little bit older, it's just doing things that, that change every time I take a different sip. Uh, so for that, I'm going for Diego Maradona. Heavy, unpredictable. <laughs> wow. Thoughts? I mean, yeah. no, it listen, checks out. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, I, I, I was assuming if anyone was going to describe... I mean, definitely you've got the heavy bit on it, about yeah. talking about Maradona. You can't um, tell me he's not unpredictable. Definitely unpredictable. Not necessarily unpredictable on the football pitch. Sure. But he was unpredictable. You know what I'm saying? Like he, When I say he wasn't unpredictable, you knew that he was up there with one of the very, very best. But... But he could also go to another level again, which was out of this world, yeah. um, to, to to win a game. Yeah, I, 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 I can see where you're going going with it. Um, I, I just thought you would go with maybe to describe Diego Maradona with a slightly better wine. Really? Yeah. But remember that our taste buds are different. This is my sort of wine. Yeah, and no, I get that. I get so that. So it and is higher. Yeah. And it's older. Yeah. I would have gone. Out. I would have described that with a play, with a wine that I don't like. Because I'm not a fan of Diego Maradona at all. As a footballer, yes, was an amazing footballer. But everything he stands for, the way he behaves off the pitch, the way he behaves on the pitch in terms of drug tests, failing drug tests. Um, Everything else, I've had an experience. Well, my son's had an experience with him. He got shoved out of the way of his bodyguards when he was at Chelsea um, watching, watching one of our games. And they just stormed through this room, this corridor, and just shoved everyone out of the way. And I'm just like... Who are you? Like, I know you're Maradona, but really? You know, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, um, with that in mind, I'm not going to use it as Maradona because, yeah, <laughs> as you know, I'm not a fan. Sure. Jeez. Yeah. Everything okay, Mark? So you're right. It is, it is, it is a very heavy wine, and it's not one that I would choose. Um, there's some... Um, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely a good quality wine. Mm. Um, full-bodied. There is a, a lot, lot going on. Complicated for me very complicated and uh again i've said it in the past you know there's one of these wines that you need a real big thick steak mm. with and then i think i would be able to digest it better mm-hmm. and would enjoy it i think i'd really enjoy it with a really big thick steak um so having it by itself i think it'd have to be for me um, probably the second bottle or the third bottle. Sure. So I've had yeah. something else beforehand that's yep. led me into it. So it's taken time to appreciate its quality. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's that's key. You know, you need to take your time and really understand how good it is. Um, and, and bearing that in mind, I mean, I, 
I play with a few people, you know, quite a number of players throughout my career. And some players, the minute they turn up, you go, wow, this player is brilliant and he's, and he's fantastic. And right from the off, other, other players, you, from afar, you've never really rated. Um, and then all of a sudden you, you, um, you play with them and you actually realize what they do for the team and how good a player they are. So with that in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm going along the lines of a guy that unknown, no one had a clue who he was. He played the first couple of games and you thought, this, this kid's good. And it was a, a couple of cup games. This is when I was at Leicester. And you thought, this, this kid's going to be good. And then not long afterwards, he got a chance to play in the first team. And he played and it was just like, wow, this was another level. And he was like playing, he was like two players. And his engine was incredible. He's reading of the game cutting out passes you think he got past him and then all of a sudden he'd stick out a leg and he's only small he'd stick out his leg and it was like go-go gadget leg it was long as to win the ball back and big big reason why Leicester won the Premier League title and then he left Leicester the very next season and went to Chelsea and why did Chelsea win the leg big big reason because this guy was there um, so you you really appreciate you got to over time you really not not too long a time but over a short period of time you got to realize how good this guy was uh and it's of course angolo kante he was exceptional that year wasn't he yes he was a reveler where did he come from uh, uh, he came the club from before? i think it was the set uh can in so in he really france. almost was i think he was league, league two in 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 france amazing um he was known um and he had some really good stats but he was not really given like I think Leicester paid five million pounds for him um what a what a steal what a steal I mean every now and then a player like that comes around incredible and we see with Chelsea Chelsea have found it more difficult at times this season when he hasn't been available and now they're going to miss him again because he's out for some time um uh, he's a wonderful player I, I if I were manager of any team um I'd be trying to buy him and one of the nicest people too yeah lovely Quite. lovely guy and the story about him turning up in a mini is very very true and he went to so he was at Leicester he had a mini then he went to Chelsea as a title winner turn up in his mini can you imagine going to Chelsea's training going oh I've been there I've done it and the cars is just like going to a luxury car uh, showroom when you go to a training ground and it's phenomenal and there's Angolo coming up in his mini and could be like an Austin Powers mini though keep that in mind it could be pimped out yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Right, okay, sure. but that's 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 Angolo. Yeah, he, he there's no no frills involved. He's a very very down to earth kid. Lovely, lovely guy. Very respectful, and uh, always has a smile on his face. Well, we couldn't have picked two dissimilar people in the world: Angolo Kante and Diego Maradona. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, Angolo <laughs> Kante leaves Diego Maradona for dead in terms of personality. Yeah person yeah um i think attitude yep yeah certainly um certainly you know guy that's above board yeah geez matt we'll see you next week i hope so yeah me too planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.